0: What happens when you get close to Jesus? How does it change your life? What if you could talk to someone who lived with him, who was one of his closest friends? What would they say? We're going to find out together as we study the book of 1 John. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone McKinney. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here and I am honored that you joined us. As Alex said, uh, we know that each and every weekend is someone's first time. That's a big deal to Wendy and I personally, my wife Wendy. Uh, And if I hadn't had an opportunity to meet you yet, I look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us. I just want to say thank you. I mean, to be honest, I'm trying to compose myself up here. That was just kind of like my candle introduction I kind of help just anchor myself. You watch something like that, and it just kind of messes you up a little bit. I'm like, how am I supposed to preach after that now? Come on now. I to help a brother out. I had to watch it a couple times. I thought, let me get it in my system a couple times. It won't affect me as much. And <laughs> I did. You know, it's like watching it for the first time. I'm just grateful because I'm excited about what God's doing in this generation. The future looks bright because of how God is working and moving. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of a church that keeps the main thing the main thing. People ask all the time, why didn't Pastor Jeff have you all talk about this? Or why don't you talk about that? What's your it's really easy to get dialed into the subtext and forget about the main text. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Right? It's the Great Commission, and it's why we do things like camp. Thank you for being that church, Milestone McKinney. Thank you for investing into young people. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the way you pray. You may not even know. Again, this may be your first time. You're like, that guy's fired up about young people. I am. I'm just an old school youth pastor at heart, you know. I, I try and find my way back in here and there, and it's like, can I go to camp? I want to go do that, you know, because God's doing something great. And it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church family like that. I'm grateful we're in this together. I'm excited what God's going to do in young people's lives in this next next school season. So we're starting a new series, Overcoming Plus Love. And I'm going to kind of unpack that a little bit. But what we're going to be doing is, over the next three weeks, we're going to be studying the book of 1 John. Now, 1 John has some significant scriptures in it. Kind of some anchor, highlight scriptures that you may actually uh, recognize, you may be familiar with. And in fact, we're going to look at some of those today. But what I want you to look at is, I want us to look at the entirety of the book. I want us to look at the the entirety of what it is that John is doing and saying and what he's speaking to us. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, 1 John. We're going to get there in just a minute. But as we look at this, what I love about God's word, it it was true then and it's true now. This word speaks to us. God longs to speak to us. And the first way, something like, how does God speak to us? The first way that he speaks to us is this right here. Some of you have one, some of you don't. If you don't have a Bible, find me after service, find one of our team. that have like a little silver badge on, you know. It's like, we'll give you, I'll give you a Bible. I'll give you one for you and your mama, whatever you need. I don't, your son, your daughter, we want you to have God's word because this is the number one way in which he speaks to us. And I believe that he's speaking to us today. And when I think about what we're going to talk about today, this overarching idea and thought, when we look at the writer of this book, the Apostle John. It's a significant individual. He was one that, as he wrote the book of John, he actually called himself the disciple whom Jesus loves, okay, in all the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They didn't call him that, but he called himself that because he really loved Jesus. He was a personal friend. He was the one that when Jesus is on the cross, he's looking at John he's saying, Take care of my family. Take care of my mom and my sibling. There's a significant relationship here. And it's not just some, some individual that had some intellectual assent or some, some words that he read about Jesus. He lived it. He walked it. So what we're about to read, that's a pretty good foundation. We're talking about somebody who walked with Jesus, who saw how he lived his life, watched what he modeled. And when you think about what John starts out with, he starts out really with this phrase, 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. He says this, we write this. Here's the reason why he's writing. We write this to make our joy complete. To make our joy complete. You see, he's a pastor. He he has a heart for people. He has a heart for people to understand. And he's saying, I want you to get this stuff. You'll make my joy complete if you'll get what I'm about to write to you. If you'll capture it, you'll understand it, you'll apply it to your life. You see, joy is an interesting word. It's deeper than happiness. It's a deep contentment. It's a deep, sincere understanding and recognizing that I have a, a, a content sense of fulfillment. and something greater than happiness. You know, as you get older, at least I have, you know, I'm 44 now. You get older, you start recognizing the things that made me happy then aren't really the things that make me happy now. Have you ever noticed that? Like, like back then, young people, when I was young, it's like, if I just got the... Like fill in the blank. It's like, if I just got a phone, if I just got a car, if I just got those new shoes, or whatever it is. It didn't change. Like, we all thought that way. But as you get older, things, things are different. You look forward to those moments, you know? So so Wendy and I, back in June, we, we celebrated our 20-year wedding anniversary. Now, we were going to take a trip in July, which we did, and we had an amazing time. But in, in June... We were like, you know what? I mean, it's our 20th. We got to do something. Like, I think our anniversary is like on a, th- a Wednesday or a Thursday. So, like, we got to do something. We got to get away. So I'm like, all right, little trip to Dallas. So I love, you know, McKinney, it's like this is where everyone wants to live. But, you know, you can still drive down, you can know, go to a nice little hotel. just kind of, all right, we're going to do that. We're going to go to Dallas, we're going to eat some good food. I don't know if you like sushi, there's a great sushi place down in Dallas. Just food. I mean, that's basically all you do. I grew up in Austin, she grew up in New Orleans. So we're familiar with that. You just kind of hang out and eat food. That's all you do, you know. And so we're like, we're going down, but, but, but something happened. She's trying to steal my joy. He's trying to rob this moment of, like, celebrating 20 years with my beautiful bride, my kids. They didn't ruin it. They didn't ruin it. You you didn't let me get into it yet. My kids. My kids. My beautiful little girls. My three little girls earlier that week. They decided to buy a puppy. Well, Wendy's all about puppies. She's like, give me all the puppies. I'll take all the puppies. Don't you show up here next Sunday with a puppy and give them my wife. Don't do that. I'm sending it back home with you. we go going to get a puppy. So this puppy is just malnourished and all this stuff, all of a sudden it starts pulling on Wendy's heart. So we can't just leave the puppy at home apparently on our little getaway for our 20th anniversary. So we bring this sickly puppy with us to this getaway to celebrate our 20th anniversary. It's like going on your 20-year anniversary with an infant. Okay? This dog's crying, go to the bathroom everywhere. She's getting up every two hours. I'm like, what are we doing with our life? Devil was trying to steal my joy. We ended up having fun. It was awesome. I had to take this dog. I mean, because it is. It's like, well, let's go do that. Well, we can't. We have Cooper. I'm like, leave a Cooper in the house. I don't care about Cooper. I care about you, okay? We don't, but it, it, it worked out. It was fine. Cooper's doing great. He's healed. He's crazy and just, you know, whatever. But it, it's like you think about that. Is, you're going, is that the kind of joy that John's talking about? That's not the kind of joy John's talking about, though. It's not that kind of joy, like these experiences or moments that, that we're looking for. He's talking about something far deeper. Let me give you a little context and set up this book just a little bit. And, and when you recognize what's happening, in 30 AD, something significant happened. Jesus actually said this. He said, the day's going to come when the temple is going to be destroyed. Well, that ends up happening That ends up happening, the the time comes where the Jews and the Christians, they leave Jerusalem, they're scattered because the Romans come and they destroy the temple. So here they are, there's this turmoil that's going on. Now, John is writing to the church in Ephesus, that's where he's at when he's writing this, okay? and Ephesus was a significant city, it's where modern day Turkey is now. And Ephesus was was a a cultural hub. It would be equivalent to like a New York or a London, an L.A., a DFW, whatever it may be. It is a significant place. In fact, when Paul, who started the church, he starts the church. uh, uh, Timothy ends up taking over the church. John is attending the church. You can actually read in the book of Ephesians and Ephesians. There's interaction and dialogue between Paul and John. John actually at one point becomes the pastor of the church. That's who we're reading here. But there wasn't just the challenges of the temple being destroyed. There was also these cultural conflicts. There's this cultural agitation that's going on. All these different things that are happening and transpiring. In fact, it's thought that Timothy was martyred because he spoke up at a pagan festival and they stoned him to death. So you have all this antagonistic things going on and, and these challenges that they're experiencing and these false teachers. And you think about, okay, John, again, I'm giving you the backdrop, the context of John who's writing this. But what's the motivation? What, why is he writing this? Why did he start out with like, hey, I want you to get all this because you'll make our joy complete if you get this, I want you to understand what is the purpose and what is the main thing? Well, this overarching view of First John starts with just that. It's joy. It's joy. Again, what did he say? He said, 1 John 1, 4, we write this to make our joy complete. He's a pastor, he, he loves people, he, he, he wants people to understand, he wants to help them, he wants their kids to get it. He, he understands the dynamic of wanting someone to really understand the purpose and the plan that God has for their life. That's his heart, that's his motivation. So he starts with joy, but where does he end? He ends with overcoming He says, look, because I care for people, because I care for you, because I have this intense, I mean, John gets intense. There's these words and language that he uses. I don't know about you, but it's like, again, it's the same way that you would feel like if you have children that you feel about your children. You get dialed into a certain thing. I mean, you can, I, even myself, you can ask the team, ask when. There's times where I get stirred up and dialed in on a certain thing. And I, why? Because at the end of the day, what happens is that John, just like many pastors, they don't want people to get hurt. They want them to walk in victory, they want them to overcome. And so this is the context of what he's saying. He's saying, look, we're going to start with joy. We want you to overcome. In fact, overcoming is a significant theme. 1 John 5.4 says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. John, who writes this, was with Jesus when Jesus, when Jesus in John 16.33 said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. There's victory. There's an overcoming. Are you saying, Pastor Chris, that everything's going to work out the way I want it to work out? No. It's not going to work out the way you want. That's been the track record in my life as well. It doesn't always work out the way that I want, but here's what I do know. I can still have an overcoming perspective and posture on what I'm experiencing no matter the circumstance or situation. That's what he's saying. That it was John that was with him when Jesus said this. John 4.4. 4. This may be one that you're very familiar with. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So there's this overarching aspect of there's joy, there's overcoming, but there's this overarching theme on how we get there. How do we we get there? How do we get from joy to overcoming? And the theme is this. It's love. It's love. Love is it. I can remember as a young man, once I gave my life to the Lord at 19, and then started preaching and traveling, and even as a young pastor and a young leader, Always, every time, I'm, I would pray, my prayer would be, especially when working with young people. Lord, I want them to know you the way I know you. I want them to experience your love because something happens when we experience the love of God. And John is writing again, challenging situation, difficult time. I mean, you look in your own life, challenging situations. Have you been to the gas pump anytime soon? Challenge every time. Like, God, Things with your kids, health, challenging situation. Look at the cultural context we're in. You may be thinking, man, this is the worst time ever. Just talk to the early church. I promise you, just read the Bible. It's a lot worse than it is today. We just know about it more because we have technology and news and we have access to it on our phone at any given moment. But they were living things that were far more drastic than some of the things that we see today. Challenging times, cultural challenges but the overarching theme is love. You see, the motivator is love. It's the thing that helps us overcome. No matter what you're facing, you understand his love for you. He has a love for you. And here's the thing about it. It's not just that he has love for you. He is love. He is love. He, he is love, and it impacts who we are. So why did we call this series Overcoming plus love, what, what, what's the point, what is, what is it that John wants us to overcome, you see, the book of John is unique, because in order to outline it, you can't really outline it, because as you study this book, and you read it, it's almost circular, it just goes round and round, it's kind of like this, it, it, have you ever talked to your kids, and you're like, okay, kids, I'm going to help you with this, you're like, we're going to start at point one, and then we're going to point two, and we're getting to point three, and getting to point four, and then you look at them and realize, they're still back at point one. So he's just going round and round. It's like with your kid, you say the same thing over and over and over again because you're going, I want you to get it. John is writing, and basically he's saying that when you read this, you can feel like, I feel like this may be redundant because he's saying the same thing over and over and over again because he wants you to get it. So what are the things? What is he trying to say? What is it that he wants us to overcome? Well, first is this. He wants us to overcome darkness, darkness. Again, it's like I said, you could think the world is just bad. Uh, The early church, the New Testament church, just look back and see. The significant challenges and the darkness that we experience. You see, we will experience much like then. That's why John's writing then, but what he was saying then still applies to now. There's darkness that we can overcome. And when you look at this, it's darkness and then this lack of knowledge. He wants us to know that word know, again, it's not intellectual assent. It's not uh, just all this knowledge of knowing facts and content and context. That word know in the Greek is actually the word gnosko, which means to experience. And when you look at the book of 1 John, over and over and over, John is saying, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know. It's this repetition. He's saying what I want you to experience. So he's saying, I want you to overcome darkness, but you're only going to do that if you've experienced a true life-giving relationship with Jesus. That's going to be the thing that helps you overcome. It's a relationship with him. He's saying, I want you to, to overcome false teachers. This is significant in this time. There were many who were being pulled away by this false teaching. In fact, during that time... There was a heresy called Gnosticism, and essentially what they, basically what they said was, we are the real way. They Actually, the way they dialed into it and the way they really attracted people was, we're really the spiritual ones. We have this new way of doing things, this new spirituality, this new way of seeing things and ascending to God that no one else has done. Can I tell you, be leery of somebody that ever comes and says, let me show you something new that you've never seen or heard of. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, it may be a new revelation to you. That's different than, oh, let me come and show you something that's brand new. You've never seen or heard before. So what John is saying is, I-, I want you to overcome. Because of love, I want you to overcome these false teachings that are leading you astray. Again, why? What's his motivation? His heart. He's a pastor. He knows where these things lead. It leads to pain, and it leads to hurt, and he has a heart for them. He says, oh, I want you to overcome Sin. Sin. Okay, well, for well, some of us, we, we walk in in a certain context and we recognize sin in our life and there may be aspects of sin in our life. But sometimes we can look at the word sin and we can go, well, that's not me. Well, James in James 4 says, for a man to know it is right not to do it, such is sin. Sin. So what's he saying? This is not just, oh, I've already overcome those things. When I say sin, there is probably a a list of two to three to four things that you think of and you may think, I'm over those things. What James is saying is there's two types of sin. There's a sin of commission. This is what I committed. There's a sin of omission. You see, in every believer's life, there should be a consistent, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit where he's convicting us about new things in our life that we may not categorically say, oh, that's a sin. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to us to grow in that area, to become more Christ-like, to change how we engage with other people. And if he speaks to us, but yet we do not do it, what does James say? Such a sin. And John is saying, I want you to overcome that. Because whether you're outwardly living in sin that is obvious and blatant and it's the sin of commission and it's obviously that is something that is not, it's going against moral law and it's going obviously against what God says in His Word. But then there's the sin of omission. There's things the Holy Spirit is speaking you to grow in and how you interact and engage with your spouse, with your friends, with your relatives, how you grow as a leader, how you Grow deeper in your relationship with God, how you engage with your kids, the things that you do. And he's saying for you to know those things and not to do them such a sin. He says, I want you to overcome. But it's going to be the love of God that does that. And then lastly, he says this, I want you to overcome hatred for your brother. When you look at these things, all of these things, they're prevalent in our lives today. You may go, hatred for your brother. Okay, well, I I don't really hate anybody. Do you ever go to a family gathering and you're like, okay, we can't talk politics over Thanksgiving dinner. Because what's going to happen It's like World War Ten is going to erupt and it's full on, full contact sport. Look, the same thing was happening there. There was arguments and battle. There was hatred that was was arising because of cultural and political differences. And what he's saying is, I want you to overcome this aspect of understanding. Because at the end of the day, hatred for your brother is rooted in this. If you're different than me, how do I love you? The truth is, when someone's different than you or thinks different than you, has a different opinion than you, position than you. I'm not talking about God's word. I'm talking about the way in which they do things, their political stance, their, whatever it may be. How do I love you even though I'm different than you? If you're not careful, it leads into hatred. John's saying, I want you to overcome these things. But how? How does it happen? How do I overcome? How do I do that? It's love. Love. The love of God is the motivator. Why? Because what you love, you pursue. What you love, you do. What you love, you invest into. What you love, you put money towards. What you love, you sacrifice for Think about it. What you really love, you'll go after it. You see, when you love something, there's no sacrifice too big. But why don't we experience this more in our life? What is it that hinders us from operating in love that allows us to overcome the darkness and lack of knowledge, false teaching, sin, hatred, all the things that are internal. Again, these may have external implications, but make no mistake, all of these things are rooted in an internal basis. What is it that keeps us from that? Fear. It's fear. It's like a cloud that overwhelms. Fear that overwhelms us, and fear, it cripples us. The spirit of it is a spirit, a spirit of fear that will overwhelm you. And so watch what John says in chapter 4, starting in verse 16. He says, and so we know, there's that word again, we know and rely on the love of God. I've experienced it and I rely on it. I need it. I need God's love to overcome. I need the love of God to have victory. I need the love of God to do what he's asked me to do so I don't walk in sin. I need the love of God to overcome the darkness in my life. I need the love of God to help me overcome false teachings being lured away by emotions or feelings or preference or wants. But I want to stand on God's word. I need the love of God to overcome the hatred I have for my brothers and sisters because they're different than me or think different than me or operate different than me the love of god has for us why because god is love there it is it's not just what he does it's not just what he gives it's who he is for whoever lives in love lives in god in god in them this is how we love this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world we're like jesus verse 18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. This this fear, this, this anxiety, this overwhelming, what's he saying? He's saying if you have fear and you're overwhelmed with fear, you're not perfected in love. Fear, what does it say? Has to do with punishment. It's not, I'm not, don't confuse consequences, don't confuse challenges and hard times. Perfect love drives out fear. So God wants us to experience this perfect love in our life that we may be able to overcome and walk in victory and be who God's called us to be and do what He's called us to do. So what does it mean to be perfected in love? Well, It's simply a gift you receive. That word perfect is not just something that is is marked by a lack of blemish. That word perfect actually means complete. It's the completed work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that is the completed love that we have that allows us to overcome the fear. The fear that cripples us. The fear that overwhelms us. The fear that we all can experience at any given moment in any given time. When I think about young people and I think about this generation, I was so encouraged. I was so proud because we're always learning and growing. and These are things that maybe we've done at our Keller campus and and now we're expanding our McKinney campus and and our our Hazlitt campus. But this past summer, there were 10 students that gave their time, their energy to a next-gen summer leadership program. 10 students. These are middle school and high schoolers. Got up here early on Wednesday night. They, had, uh, they, would, they would brainstorm and plan and pray for, for, uh, for the services or for upcoming events coming this fall. They would work and serve. They served at VBS. They would serve on Sunday mornings. They would set up and serve their own peers on a Wednesday night. And then tear everything down afterwards. Can I tell you, that's, that's not common in young people. But this was a group of young people. And I had an opportunity to sit down and talk to them. I, I taught them on, on the person of the Holy Spirit and the impact he has in our life. But here's one thing I've, I've learned and I know Wendy and I have done and been in and around youth ministry for a long, long, long time. But we're in a season now where we're also living it out in our own home. But here's one thing I know, sitting down and talking to these young people, hearing from them, these young people face an overwhelming measure of fear and anxiety about their future. And when we sat down actually when Alex got back from camp and we, we talked to him and asked him what were some of the things from camp that stuck out and he said, honestly, the thing that we prayed about the most was this overwhelming anxiety and pressure that young people feel when it comes to their future and needing to forgive their parents. Needing to forgive their parents. I mean, I heard story after story. You heard legend. Here's that young man sitting in his car sharing about how he wrote a letter to his dad forgiving him. What I love about legend some of you have seen him up here singing on a Sunday or on Next Gen Weekend. He's in the back often. He's singing back there for the kids and Milestone Kids. That's a young person who's growing up without a dad. You want to talk about opportunity to have hatred, and yet he's forgiving his father. Young people feeling these things and overwhelmed with it. There was a young man who, who really didn't know his parents. He actually lives uh, with, with, with extended family, but not knowing the love of God. He actually shared that he'd really never experienced joy in his life, but at one moment, a significant moment, he gave his life to Christ and felt called to ministry while he was at high school camp. What is that? It's the love of God overcoming fear. But can I tell you, it's not just young people. You think, oh, well, I'll grow out of that. No, no, no. It just gets bigger and bigger. And the things, as you carry more responsibility, that you can get fearful of just continue to grow. And I shared a little bit about that last week. I feel like last week, honestly, was really a setup for me for this week. Because I shared last week, as we were wrapping up summer at Milestone, just talking about peace. Because I recognize even in myself how I see this. I've overcome fear of things, and there's still time where fear comes up, but can I tell you, and Wendy and I, were, we were driving back, we were traveling, road tripping in July, we are driving back, and I remember sharing with her, there were moments where I was just overcome with fear, even while we're traveling. Could be fear of my kid. Like, what if something happens to our kids? You know, you start seeing things and hearing things on the news. What if that do? Do I am I pre- And I'm all about. The other day, I was getting some stuff, and I, I I like to be prepared. I'm I'm the type of individual I like preparedness. You know, and not like a prepper. Like I got you know food, freeze-dried food. You know, in the buried in the backyard. Although I wouldn't be opposed to it, but whatever. You know, it's like not that, but like just prepared. And, and my my oldest is riding with me, we're leaving Cabela. She's like, Dad. It's a little much. Like, you're just like prepared for all. Like, who thinks like that? You're prepared for all this stuff. It's, 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 it's kind of, I'm like, it's never too much to be too prepared. But it's like, okay, if you say so. But I, I started feeling overwhelmed with this fear. I mean, to the point, I kid you not. I'm getting up in the morning and I'm just fearful about stuff. Things, situations, decisions that need to be made, whatever it may be. I, I, I'm out and about, and I'm like sick to my stomach. I, I kid you not, overwhelmed. I'm going to bed. I'm trying to go to sleep, and it's like my mind just racing, which you can ask Wendy. That's not normally the case. I'll lay down. The minute my head hits the pillow, I'm out. I'm done. This fear, but no, I said, no, Lord. And there's a time, Wendy and I, were driving down the highway, and I'm just like, I've just decided I'm not going to allow a spirit of fear to overwhelm me. It is perfect love that casts out all fear. And listen, I may have to tell myself that multiple times a day. i may have to tell myself that uh, multiple days in a row. But I'm going to stand upon God's word. We're all needing things that we need to overcome. And you may say, "Well, man, man, oh my gosh, Pastor Chris, like it's just like just a confession." Now, I'm letting you know because you at times can think, oh well, the pastor he's up there, he's kind of immune to that, and he don't, you know, he reads the Bible, he preaches, and he I'm human, just like you. I can experience these things just like you. I am called. John's writing to me. He's not just writing to you. He's writing to me, and how we live this out, and how we understand. So, how do we overcome this? What does that look like? I'm going to give you some practical things. I put together, we put together kind of a list. It's not all-encompassing, but I want to kind of tie it because you have this thought. You have this, this, okay, there's joy God has for me. He wants me to overcome. It's love that is the theme that gets me there. Love is how I overcome. Fear is what will overwhelm me. But what does that look like every day? How do I know? Is this me? Am I being, being impacted? So this isn't all exhaustive, but this is a way to know. How do I know if I'm perfected in love? Because here's the thing. When you start dialing into something, it's kind of like if you want to buy a silver minivan. Can I tell you, when you start dialing into that, you want to know what you see? Everywhere you go, you see What? Silver minivans. You never saw a silver minivan before in your life. And then all of a sudden, every vehicle you see is a silver minivan. You know what I mean? It's like, I had never really thought about this before. And all of a sudden, I'm just overwhelmed with fear, 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 fear. Everywhere you go, everything you see, every news article that pops up, you're like, are they reading my mind and thoughts? Probably. I don't know. You know, it's like social media, you know, it's there. If you just say it, it's going to pop up, okay? Okay. How do I know? Here's some practical things. First is this. Here, here's an example. Again, this is not all-encompassing. This is to give you a backdrop to know, what does it look like? Fear says, I'm angry with God. I'm angry with God. Where was he when blank happened? We've all been there. You ever been there before? I don't, we've experienced that. We, we've experienced those things, questions and things in life. We wonder, where was God when blank happened? We have these challenges that we have to overcome, and we walk through difficult times and difficult situations. God, where were you? I'm angry with God. Can I tell you, we walk with so many people through this aspect, but when you're perfected in love, here's what it looks like. Even when I don't understand, I continue to engage with God. We all have stuff like that. Wendy, and and I don't always share all these things, but I've shared at different times. Wendy, I mean, she had an accident. When she was uh, 19 years old, shattered both her kneecaps. All sorts of implications that came along with that. Here she is, beautiful. She's 25 years old. I'm not going to tell you her age, but she is a cougar, so she's a little older than me. But, you know, <laughs> just kidding. If you heard earlier, I gave you my age earlier. Either you were listening or you weren't, so now you okay. But, shattered it to this day. You put your hand on her knees, it's like two gears grinding. In a scale of 1 to 10, she lives at a 15 when it comes to pain with her knees. Mama, I'm not telling you that so, oh, Pastor Chris. Well, no, no, no. I'm telling you that. It's very easy for us to feel. We're in ministry. We're serving you, God. We're building. We, she's prayed for people over and over. Lord, I pray you heal them. They get healed. She's like, hey, God, what about me? No, no, no. Even though I don't understand. I'm going to keep going to you guys. And can I tell you, it inspires me when I'm like, I'm getting old in my background. I'm like, stop crying. You're a baby, man. That woman right there, she bore three children, carried three children. Bad now, man, what are you talking about? We all go through stuff. But no matter what, when I'm perfected in love because I know he's love and he's faithful, I'm going to still engage with him. Here's another. I can't stop worrying about my health. You ever been there before? If you haven't. Start getting a little older, you start thinking about it. I, can I, this is one of the things even for me. I, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty healthy guy. I'm pretty active. Like, even over this past month, like, something starts hurting. I'm like, what is that? Is this it? Am I going, you know? Normally, Wendy's like, WebMD, you know, I got a little spot. It's cancer. You know, oh, I'm sorry. It's a mosquito bite. You know, it's like, I'm like, I kid you not. These overwhelming just thoughts coming into my mind. Like, am I going to die? I, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, what's going to happen to me? Like, all these things. We worry about those things. Now, I'm not minimizing. Some of you are walking through significant health challenges. But in my own life, here's what, I, here's what I know. When I'm perfected in love, I recognize that most of my fears never happen. But even if they do, I know that God's with me. I think about an individual in our church for years. I don't, again, he's one and two. I'm like, God, where were you with this? You know, but he's like, I'm still engaging with you, Lord. He's been going through health challenges for year, two, three years now. Almost as long as I've been out here, I've known him longer. But as long as I've been out here, and yet every time I'm, God's good. And, oh man, you know, he sounds. I mean, he sounds. It sounds like he does not sound well when I may talk to him on the phone. But he's like, God's good, Pastor Chris. He's faithful. It's been hard. I'm, but so he's going through real things, and so he is this. Even if. Things don't go the way they want. I know that God's with me. That's what it looks like to be perfected in love. May- maybe it's this. I- I'm afraid to make a decision. What if I What if I make the wrong choice? You ever been there before? You're like locked up in fear. What if I don't make the right choice? What happens? What a- but you recognize, wait a minute. When I'm perfected in love, I recognize if my heart is right, even if I miss it, God's with me. He's going to work it out. If my heart is right, my motivation is love. My motivation is right. It's not ulterior motive. But what happens is when I'm overwhelmed with fear, I'm afraid to make a decision. I get locked up. Well, how about this one? I, co- I compare myself with others, and I'm bothered by what they say. You ever had people say hurtful things about you? Sometimes, though, you recognize when I'm perfected in love, it doesn't matter what others say because I know what God says about me you see sometimes people do say hurtful things but sometimes it's just lies the enemy pops in our mind I tell people all the time who told you that I tell tell individuals especially husbands with spouses or wives I'm like listen you got to speak truth and quiet lies over and over and over again because lies will flood our mind and overwhelm us but we quiet the lies of the enemy because we know what God says about us you see where are you with your love quotient with God where are you when it comes to knowing that God is love that he has a a plan and purpose for you and and that, that he will quiet every lie of the enemy when was the last time you got up and you just simply said God who do you say I am what do you say about me you see, there's a joy that we can experience, and there's overcoming that we can arrive at, but it's going to be love that gets us there. Maybe you're here today, and you've, you've never experienced that love, the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus that, that speaks to our heart, the love of Jesus that we sang about, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Maybe you've never experienced that. Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like, Pastor Chris, you're not the only one. I've been wrestling with fear and anxiety. It's like it just hits me out of nowhere. It's like one day I'm fine and the next day it's like a trainer. I don't know. And I'll be honest. There have been times I'm just being transparent where I feel like that. this is like one of the first times I really, it's like, it, I, don't, I know what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. God's about to do something great in our life. God's about to do something great in Milestone McKinney. So you know what the devil does? He turns it up. He turns it up. No. I've read the end of the book, devil. We win. No weapon for, greater is he that is in me than he who is in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Perfect love casts out all fear. And even though I don't understand, and even though I don't see it, and even though I can get overwhelmed by it, I know God loves me, and it's not just the love that he gives me. It's who he is, and when I know him, I have a relationship with him. I can overcome, I can overcome.